Everybody's waiting. Everybody's watching. Even when you're sleeping. Keep your eyes open. Welcome to Impossible Podcasts, The Hunger Games. I'm Sarah Burrow. I'm Susie Knuckles. I'm Charlotte Marchant Jones. And I'm Alex Gatherer. We've got together to discuss The Hunger Games, released in cinemas um, yesterday, on Friday the 23rd. Um, And as you've already realised, we have three new guest contributors with us today. Alex, Charlotte and Susie, who I've roped in, I know them all through Harry Potter connections. uh, Thankfully, are also big Hunger Games fans. So they've been roped in for their first ever podcast. So we'll start off with some initial reactions uh, and spoiler-free sort of quick reviews. So what did we think of the film? Susie? I really liked it. I thought it was very well done. Like, normally books to films don't always work out so well, but I thought it was good. I agree with Susie. I thought that um, they did a really good job overall with it. There were there, there were bits which I wasn't 100% about, but there were bits that I thought would be a lot better than I thought they were going to be as well. So overall... It was, it was definitely better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was okay. I thought, uh, it got a, f- a couple of the things I thought could have been improved on as well. But, um, overall, I thought some bits were fantastic. I think some bits were fantastic and some bits were kind of not very good. So that's kind of half and half. Okay, so slightly mixed reviews. We'll go into more details, uh, in a few minutes as to what in particular we, we did or didn't like. I've only seen the film this morning, so it's all quite new to me. I loved it. That's the first reaction, more than anything else. I agree with the rest of you. I think they did a really good job. It could have been... Not to say it was bad, but it could have been a lot worse. Mm. It could have been a lot more different. Um, it's a really, really good adaptation of the book. Um, I recently reread it before going, and they've done really, really well, and they've stuck to the, the source material quite closely. In some areas, probably more closely than you necessarily needed to do for yeah. a film. But no, I I loved it. So um, we should discuss it in some more detail. But um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, spoiler warning, we are going to now talk about sort of in depth as to what the film did to the book. So um, if you haven't seen it, please stop listening now and come back um, and listen when you have seen the film and or read the books. Or both. So The Hunger Games is the adaptation of the first book by Suzanne Collins. Um, and as far as we're aware, they're set to do Catching Fire and Mockingjay, books two and three in the series. So this is only about book one, uh, which is a relatively short book, but they did quite a lot of it in the film. Have we got any favourite scenes um, in the film? Not necessarily favourite scene in the book. My favourite was, I think probably a lot of other people's favourite, was when uh, she uh, first volunteers for it. I was going to say Instead the reaping. Of, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, because, yeah, I thought that was adorable, and then Prim's all getting sad, and Gail comes in and swoops her away, and, oh, yeah, that was I a beautiful moment. Yeah, I was also, yeah, it was a little bit tearful at that point. Um, it was seemed to be when Gail swooped in. Yeah, That was the oh. bit. And I knew it happened, because it happens in the book. Yeah. But, um, 
no, I really like that. It was a very emotional movie. Yeah, it was. I thought that was better in the film than the book. Mm. Got... Maybe that's because I've read them all though now, so I know the characters more than. Yeah, I yeah. think that was a thing. Like, I like the characters I know more about mm. Kramer and Katniss and all of them, and it adds something to mm-hmm. that scene. I just felt like it wasn't even just them, though, not like. It was the whole ensemble, like the extras and everything. It was just the general mm. mood of the whole scene. Because even when, you know, um, Prim's name gets called, like the whole, the performance of all the extras, like the shock on the faces, like that whole kind of together worked really well as well. I, I was, was really quite good. surprised that they didn't show a shot of any of Peter's family there when he got mm. picked out. Because mm. I thought that that was kind of not... Yeah, I think they should have shown his mother looking sad or something. I felt like they but kind of just ignored, like they called his name and he just walked up. But they, they really I know that was, was kind of the same in the book though as well. Mm. It's like, oh okay, that guy. But of course, in the films, they take out the whole bit with Peter's dad coming to see Katniss. Yeah. They take all of that out, the same as they take out all of um, Katniss's friend. Mad. 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 They take out all of that. They take out the pin and things. Mm. It comes obviously in a different way through, like through Primrose, uh, mm. which is fine. I think it's a it's I, a good I way. I understand why they did. So. Mm. Yeah, they've but done it. You know, it's something that needs to be in, but you don't need to bring those whole new characters yeah. in. Neither of the characters, if you look at the whole series of the books, that you don't lose anything by taking them out. I mean, I know Madge and her father and um, Peter's father do feature to some extent later but you don't need them there I think it's no. perfectly plausible they take it out um, and obviously it reinforces as well that relationship between Primrose and Katniss mm. which of course is a big thing yeah the scene when um, they were saying goodbye between mm. like her and Prim I thought was possibly better than the book as well because you, you know what happens later which makes it all quite ironic to a certain extent which I thought was sad you got any other favourite scenes? My favourite, um, well, kind of bit of the movie was when um, she was just about to go up into the arena and they're counting down um, from, I think it's from a minute, and like it's the, the scene of the game makers in like the office bit where they're making the game, then the scene, District 12, and then her family and Prim, and then it just goes silent with Gail in the woods and you don't hear the countdown. I just thought that was, like, it was a tiny bit of the movie, but it was really, like, dramatic and... I just thought that really kind of showed Gail and Katniss's like relationship as well, like the closeness between them. That he couldn't even bear to like be anywhere near it. He just wanted to be where he would be with her. Well, also it kind of sets up Gail's uber distaste for the uh, the capital, mm. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was just a really kind of poignant moment in the whole film. I I quite like what they had in the film with the game makers. Generally speaking, I quite like looking mm. at. Because in the book, you get the feeling that they're definitely just trying to get the show, and but you always see it through Katniss's eyes, whereas mm. I liked being able to see it from my own. I think that's one of the, the things that sets it apart from the books, is that obviously all three books are written from Katniss's point of view, and personally I think that it lacks something at times because of that, somewhat in the later books really, because obviously it is difficult when you're, the voice of the books is unconscious, you do miss mm. things because she's unconscious. Mm. Um, so in the you know in the later books, I think obviously it's something you can do when you do the film. We get other points of view. We get Gail in the forest. We get the game makers in their in their little room as they're controlling the games and things. You get much more sort of uh, variety of points of view, um, which does enrich the story and also it makes it a lot easier to explain things quicker 
because everything doesn't have to go through Katniss's head. Because obviously mm. everything we know and we hear of in the books goes through Katniss. I thought um, it lost something as well, not being in Katniss's yeah, head, because yeah. I think a lot of things weren't explained yeah. at certain points, like when um, they have the feast and Foxface runs in and gets it and then disappears in the book. Mm. There's like a whole spiel about how she wishes she had done that as well. Yeah. And just little bits like that. I think you get much more of a a less in-depth look at all of that stuff because the vehicle they used for most of it is obviously Caesar Flickerman and mm. Claudius Templesmith, the two of them in that almost sort of newsroom mm, setup, yeah. And that's the vehicle that they use to explain a lot of things. So you go back to them to explain what the crackerjack, uh, traffic jacks are. Um, and you go t- to them when they explain, oh, look, they've dug up, d- dug up all the mines, mines and they've, re- you know, all of that Katniss processes and you... You get her intelligence that means intelligence that means she works that out. You don't get that in this. You get mm. the you know you just get somebody telling you. you there's no yeah. element of working it out. You don't get that bit where she thinks about Foxface um, or what she thinks about Rue mm. um, and things like that. Yeah, I think her relationship with Rue lacks like the same. So much. Get the whole mm. building up there. Mm. Friendship. I mean, I know they had the shot of them like sleeping together, like next to each other, and um, they had obviously them eating together and there was a sense when Katniss went to blow up the food um, from the careers, like there was a sense that, you know, they were waiting to get back with each like to meet back with each other and meet up again. But I just, I did feel like in the book that's, there's much more of a link to Prim mm. with Rue. And I really feel like you didn't get that so much in the film. You, you got that Katniss cared for her in a similar way, but you didn't really get that Katniss kind of used her as like a, prim substitute kind yeah. of like she did she did in the book i think i think there's a lot the only hint i think you really got of that was when rue was obviously dying and she said you, you need, you've got to win mm. and that's obviously a throwback to prim saying you know mm. you've got to go and win but that was really it and it was almost too late by that point because obviously shortly after that she dies doesn't she yeah. also with the death and when they did do the song and it was the mm. same song that she was singing to prim, yeah. yeah yeah so but it all came a bit late you didn't get from the beginning because of course you get you, you don't get to see in, inside Katniss's yeah. head really. I did wonder whether they might go down the voiceover route and mm. whether they might do something along those lines. Because certainly the first bit, as soon as they get in the games, the first bit she spends a lot of the time on her own. Yeah, um, like and a lot of the stuff where she's she's thinking through what Peter's motives are. Um, she's thinking through how she appears on camera, mm. keeping a lot of the stuff in and only showing certain things that she thinks will be of benefit. Um, I mean, you see that a little bit because she looks up when they send the the, the ointment for her burn. She looks up and says thank you. I think mm-hmm. isn't it to the to the camera, you know, to the cameras. But you don't really get that interaction between her and the game makers that you get in the books. I think also you might not see that her relationship with Peter in that first book mm-hmm. is just yeah. trying to get stuff from the game makers, trying to put on a yeah. show so that people like it. You might yeah. think that the only hint of that was like. Hamish's note. Yeah. yeah. With the suit. Yeah. But I felt like with Peter as well, it was, if you hadn't read the book, you wouldn't really understand why he was with the careers at the beginning of the film. Like, I mean, he just kind of was with them, kind of seemed to be leading them to her. And then I know when the tracker jackers like come down, he did, like, in when she's hallucinating, you do see him saying, like, oh, you need to go away, you need to run. But I don't really get the sense that you felt like he was protecting her 
in the way that you do in the book when that's kind of explained to you I felt that was kind of lacking and if you hadn't read the book you might have been a bit confused as to why she was so keen to go and find him when she knew there could be two victors when he'd kind of seemingly treated her like that at the beginning of the book I think they missed an opportunity to explain that a bit further when because when she teams up with Rue Rue says oh look is it all real Mm -hmm. and I know in the book she doesn't confide in Rue in that way but I think it would have been perfectly plausible in the film that they could have had her explain it to Rue then because then it equally would have explained it to the audience Mm. and she could have said well look actually I'm not quite sure he seemed to be genuine but then he joined the careers and then he appears to have saved my life you know it wouldn't have taken long she could have gone through that with Rue which again would have allowed you to have that look into her head we all know what's going through her head because we've read the books but you know the the risk is is that you know the viewer that hasn't read the books isn't gonna isn't gonna get that and is yeah possibly going to go through the thing where thinking where most of their emotions towards each other are actually genuine yeah. where at this stage we're still led to believe that at least some part of Katniss isn't all in whereas yeah. obviously we, we know that Peter is um, I think there are quite a lot of points that might have been quite confusing to someone who hadn't mm. read the book like a lot of motives and when they, uh, they showed the flashback of her dad dying in the mine mm. I'm not sure how obvious that was that it wasn't just some random guy. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I also think as well, because they did it through the tracker jacket, people might have just thought it was some strange dream she was having. Yeah. yeah. I also don't know that you needed it, really, because they didn't bring in the whole link with her father and the whole idea that she replaced him mm. in terms of in mm. the hunting and, and the gathering and things. You set up the bit where, obviously, her, where her mother gets sort of the depression after her, da- you know, her husband dies. Um, but you don't really link Katniss and her father at all. So I don't necessarily need, think you needed to go into how he died, really. Um, mm. You know, it was enough to say when they when they do the bit before she's led away for the games, you can't go away again, you can't leave us like you did when um, Dad when Dad died. And yeah. that that's enough, you know. It's it, People can make the intuitive leap that her dad had died. Yeah. You can see the squalor they're living in. You had the picture of the men who were going to work in the mines. It's not much of a leap to think well he, he died at work or something yeah you know but yeah and they throw it in with the tracker jackers and i think they on the subject of the tracker jackers they explain the tracker jackers but they don't explain the mocking jays you have them repeating the melodies but nobody explains why that's an issue and i saw i assume they're going to have to put that in at some point because the whole mocking jay becomes the symbol. yeah and it's not just the symbol as a aesthetic symbol it's also the fact that the mocking jays are laughing somewhat at the cattle. It's something the cattle made that that backfired on them. You know, they made the they made the jabberjays. Jabberjays, thank you. Which then mated with mockingbirds, and, and none of that was explained. Although they very quickly explained the tracker jackers. But I assume that they may well do that. I suppose in yeah. in the second. Yeah. I suppose they just felt with the tracker jackers, like because Glimmer dies from the stings, mm. they had to explain the, what they were and what they were doing to her. Because that was kind of immediately necessary. Whereas I guess with the Mockingjays, mm. they can bring that in in the later films without it having too much of an effect on the first mm. film. Because the only thing they really used it for was Rue and Katniss. Is mm. like more, to each other. They're more prominent in the second book. Yeah, they've so got so. the Jabberjays in yeah. the second. Mm. And also, Katniss doesn't realise how much of a symbol the, the Mockingjays become until quite a way into the second book. So I suppose mm. they can just bring it in in then really. Another point I think it's worth discussing is the calibre of 
casting in the film. Uh, we've got some fairly well-known names. Josh Hutchison, who plays Peter, has been in things before. I, it's going to escape me as to what you've been in now. <laughs> Obviously, Woody Harrelson plays Hamish. Gail Hawthorne, played by Liam Hemsworth, who's maybe not quite so well-known, but obviously someone can make the point of who is known instead. He's Chris Hemsworth's little yeah. brother, Chris Hemsworth, who's done in many things, including Thor. Yes. So there's not maybe not huge names, but... You know, a few well-known names. I personally didn't know Jennifer Lawrence, who plays Katniss. Oh, she was an X-Men. Yeah. The new so, one. who did she play in the new X-Men? Mystique. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Yeah. And uh, Effie Trinket was in Scrubs, I think. Yeah, she was, <laughs> although she looks a lot different in this yeah. film. Yeah. Obviously. But, um, I mean, how did you think, is there anyone we think wasn't very well cast? I thought overall it was actually very well classed, to be honest. I think, yeah, I can't think of anything, anyone who, like, some of them were not the same sort of people I would have cast, but I thought did a, like, completely justified their being chosen for the role. The guy, was the guy who plays Dobby doing the voiceover thing? Doing what? The The one who's with Caesar. Yeah, the one who's with Caesar Flickerman in the room. Um, And he's the one doing the announcements in the. uh, Claudius Templesmith. Toby Jones, he's been in a lot of things. I didn't, he Um, was the only one that I didn't think was. Right, he is in Chamber of Secrets. Yes, I thought, of Dobby. There you go. I thought if he was doing the announcements, he should have a quite a strong voice. And mm. it was just yeah, bit, I mean, visually, quite... I think he was a good choice for for Claudius Templesmith. He was in it very little. There was much more on Caesar Flickerman than there was on Claudius Templesmith. Um, whereas, because of course, in the books, Claudius Templesmith is one that does all the announcements, does all the stuff with you know the running of the games in in that way. He serves a very little part. In the film, mm, I think basically, they could have si- just used Caesar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure there was actually a need to have him no. in the film. I don't think he really added a lot, which I think why Alex was saying that you didn't think he was particularly good. I think it was just the way they used his character in the film wasn't mm. really. Especially considering the big part they gave to, I'm going to go with Seneca Crane, who plays yeah. the, the head game maker. Mm. They gave him quite a large role. Um, I liked it, but I think. You had a few too many characters there, and I think, unfortunately, Claudius Templesmith sort of <laughs> melded into the background, really. But I still think he was well cast. I think they did very well casting, all of them. Mm. I think they all did a really, really good job. I think the girl who played Primrose was particularly yeah. good, yeah. given she must be quite young. I don't know how young she is, but um, she did a really, really good job, girl from Willow Shields. Yeah, I felt this one of the strongest areas of the casting was actually in the um, tributes, because mm. I thought... Even the ones that weren't given like very much screen time at all still had personality and still had character. Yeah. Like um, I think it's the boy from District Four who was like a short, a tiny boy with curly hair. Like and like I really remember him, like him crawling at the very beginning into try and get a sleeping bag from um, and then getting killed by the couriers. And I felt like all of the tributes really had personality and probably more than in the book in some cases. Like. With Clove and Glimmer, especially, I thought they were really strong and really like individual, which I liked a lot because I felt you could there's a lot more focus on them maybe than in the book because they got a lot more personality. I think soon, certainly from someone who obviously knows the characters and read the books, it was very easy to pick out people yeah. from the very beginning. Cato obviously was yeah. immediately very. They did put quite a focus on him, but even Thresh, Glimmer, mm. Rue, obviously they did do the little scene with her having stolen the knife. Fox face, you could tell. Yeah. Yeah, I think that must be so hurtful for the actress, though. Get cast because you look like an animal. (laughs) 
yeah, I think you're right. They picked people who were very distinctive, and yeah. they gave them. They very quickly established their characters. Yeah, and they got there was a lot of personality there, even from the ones who mm. obviously died very early on. Like I yeah. really thought that was good. I thought that was probably one of the strongest areas mm. of the casting, mm. just because I felt like they all were so distinctive. Whereas I felt in the book, apart from a few like Cato and probably Thresh and Rue, mm. they were kind of moulded into just the other tributes. They weren't really individual, yeah. like having their own characters on in the film, I thought was a lot a lot more distinctive. Because I, I really like Thresh in the books. I think for a character that is in it very little, has very little to say, she makes a big impact with Thresh. Mm. And I think the guy playing Thresh did a very good job. You know, he didn't have a lot to work with. Yeah. But he yeah. was very, he was very, very good. And again, the same with with all the tributes, really. Mm-hmm. I thought Cato was Kato, brilliant. Yeah, he was I so thought good. like he was seemed a lot kind of more. I thought it was a better character than in the book because in the book I didn't really know anything about him. It was just Cato. Mm-hmm. Um, but here I thought he had a lot more personality. And when you like saw them laughing at when they found Katniss in the river and things like that, just made them. They made him quite more. haunting, actually. The guy mm-hmm. playing Cato, mm-hmm. certainly in the last scene on the cornucopia. Yeah, but I think that they also made him quite human as well, mm. showing like he had friends and well, not mm. friends, but he was kind of friendly with the other tributes. And then yeah. I think that did his reaction at the end was kind of like showing how the situation was able to make him a bit mm. crazy. And I thought the same with um, Clove. I thought she was really great in it. I thought mm. the fact that they gave her um, like the fact she slept with her knife in her hand, like that, just that little shot, like. For me, that was just, she was so focused on that. I thought she was really good. Yeah. She was really quite creepy as well. I thought she looked quite mm, creepy. She was very creepy, especially yeah. they did the scene very well where she cat, she does catch Katniss yeah. um, at the feast. You know, she did very well with that. Did anyone think it was interesting? They seemed to set up a sort of budding romance between Glimmer and Kato. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't remember no, in the books at all. I, are, I re- they, are they tributes from the same no. district? Kato and Clover from two. Yeah. from one with Marvel. So, and it was interesting that they did seem to set that mm. up between them. Like they had them sleeping. Yeah, on each other. Yeah, with each I, other. I quite like that because when I read the book, I kind of. Maybe not directly, or maybe I've just been influenced by the film, but I seem to remember something like maybe they were always mentioned together. No, I see, I had it with Cato and Clove, because then obviously you have her screaming for, for Cato when, when yeah. Thresh catches up with them and things. And you still had that, but you didn't... I thought it was odd that... And then it, well, it came to nothing, did it? Because obviously yeah. Glimmer, dies. Glimmer dies in the, the Tracker Jacker attack. Maybe but... it's just because they're both blonde. So. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I thought it made Cato kind of more... It added to Cato's character, actually, because mm. I thought the fact that he was kind of seen as desirable, like, she didn't know him. She was, pro- you know, she obviously knew she had to kill him, but she was still interested in trying to sort of maybe start something with him. Kind of, to me, gave the impression that how powerful his influence kind of could be mm. and how much of kind of how he could play people and how he knew exactly how to get exactly what he wanted and his mm. game plan, maybe. I think you could see in the training that he was also trying to like flirt with Katniss yeah. sometimes. Like. The, the first few shots of him, who immediately, to me, told us it was Cato, it was quite interesting. It was shot like that. Mm. It was shot as almost as if he was watching Katniss and he was sort of trying to, to make that sort of move, which is interesting. But, I, I mean, unless it was they were trying to play it, he was obviously, he'd noticed her as a threat mm. because they do then immediately, obviously, in the games... She is one that they are seeking, which is why they befriend, even on a superficial level, they befriend Peter. I quite liked the I, I thought it 
to me it seemed like he had a game plan he knew who would be good allies he knew who he could like get on his side and kind of manipulate to do to help him and then he knew exactly how to turn on them and get what he wanted to achieve so i quite liked that especially because he's a career tribute so you are supposed to believe he's been training for it for a long time and i think the fact that they made him kind of have a game plan and an agenda was definitely like a good move with the sense to that because he obviously would have been training for that role i think it does show like why he's the other one that lasted until the end because quite clearly he's got a plan he's not just relying on muscles he's got i would have liked to see more of him like i would have liked to see shots of his reactions to when clove dies or whatever and he realizes he's on his own Mm. i think that would have been interesting i think one of the interesting scenes with with kato in it was um in the beginning bit when they're doing all the training and things and I really like the bit, and it, it was written for the film, it wasn't in the books, where Katniss, Peter falls off the, the net he's climbing, and Katniss comes up and says, look, you've got to show, they're looking at you like a meal. Mm. I really like that bit, because it did, it set the careers up, it set yeah. them apart. And it also, but it also explained a bit of how Peter actually managed to make that leap yeah. to joining the careers, because the mm. careers hadn't completely written him off. As soon as he threw that, you saw Kato go, oh, actually, you're right, maybe he's not that rubbish. Um, and it made a little bit more sense, because... When I read the books, I did feel it was quite a jump to thinking, well, they'd never take, you know, the careers had never taken any notice of Peter in the training in the books, and suddenly they immediately let him in. And I know they let him in, obviously, to lead them to Katniss, but it seemed to make a little bit more sense in the in the film because of just just because of that simple scene, really. Yeah, I quite liked as well because I thought that highlighted Katniss's intelligence as well. Like she knew that the careers were sizing up who they could kill off easily and first and who would be more of a challenge Mm. and I think to show that Katniss was aware of that because that is in the book quite a big part of what allows her to survive is she knows she works out how the others are operating and Mm. she works out how the tributes that the career tributes are working together killing off people one by one together and like from that shot and her getting Peter to show what he could do I kind of felt like she it showed she tapped into like their game plans as well like what she thought they were going to be doing i think that goes back to what alex had said before about that's what we missed a little bit from it not being all through katniss's eyes that's what we lost we lost that sort of inner workings really of of katniss Mm. um so you do get much more of a superficial look at how things are running but i think that's something you've got to you know they've got to do it some some way they've got to i don't really see how they could have got around it without like you said doing like an inner monologue yeah. kind of thing or voiceover type thing and I'm not sure that would have worked because... they can go horribly wrong yeah. and they often do go horribly wrong it's very difficult to get that to work and yeah. I'm not so sure whether whether they would have got it to, yeah. to do it I feel like the games because they're over quite a long period it probably would have just felt like she was writing a diary in mm. in some ways like just reading that out which really wasn't like I don't think that would have worked at all mm. but I do feel a lot of the intensity of the games was lost because you didn't get that first person point of view you didn't necessarily see as much how Katniss was suffering. I mean, especially with Rue, like there's, she has a big internal dilemma when she mm. joins up with her because she knows that if those two are at the end, she's going to have to kill Rue. Mm. And I felt like things like that were just kind of lost by the fact that you didn't have Katniss's point of view mm. and her, boy, her inner thoughts about things being broadcast to you. And whereas in the book, I think that's part of what makes people like well, what made me like like Katniss as a character because she is very human and very like her thoughts are all caring about that and especially with Peter as well it's the same similar sort of thing she didn't want to have to kill him 
So yeah. I, I feel you kind of lost that a bit in the film. But I think that's the thing. I think that's what people who haven't read the books are going to lack. Because I mm. think when we've all gone to see it, we're already in love with all these characters. Yeah. I know that you're Team Gail, uh, <laughs> and uh, me and Susie are Peter. Team Peter. But yeah. um, I think the reason why I loved a lot of the scenes in this film between the characters is because I'm already invested in these characters. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I think the cast did a wonderful job with what they were given. I think, obviously because I'm Team Peter, um, <laughs> I like the scenes between Katniss and Peter. I think it is, I found it believable. I did find that, you know, I was swept away with that quite easily but I'm wondering whether part of that is because I'm already invested in those characters and whether people are going to miss the, the relationship between them you immediately saw the relationship between her and Gail mm. whereas I didn't think that was actually very prominent at all but I wonder whether we're seeing it because we know it's yeah. there and I wonder whether whether people are, are going to miss that yeah I do agree I think um I know obviously I don't want to admit that the uh, Katniss Peter it's like they were, I felt in the film they were actually uh, I felt a lot more chemistry between them than I did in the book personally because I felt there was less time spent on the cave scenes and for me personally it's probably not the most popular opinion but I thought in the cave Peter was very needy and that's part of what I did, really didn't like about his character and why I didn't think he and Katniss worked together whereas in the film because that was cut to quite a short scene of them in the cave I actually I did think that the chemistry between them was better in the film, maybe. Mm. Than I liked it after the cave scenes when they were walking through the woods mm. and they each thought the other had died. I thought that was probably the strongest moment. But even in the film, I didn't think their relationship was even very well constructed. It, even worse than in the book, because it seemed so rushed. And I think if you hadn't read it, you'd just be kind of... Confused. Yeah, yeah as to why she was suddenly making out with him and things. and I... Yeah, I think we're going to come to a Team Gale, <laughs> Team Peter problem here. But I, I, I think you're right. I think they cut a lot of the scenes. But I think Josh and Jennifer, Jennifer thank you, <laughs> yeah. handled the scenes really well. I think that's what sold it to me. Yeah. I think I was surprised. I was apprehensive when I first heard that Josh had been cast because I have seen him in a few other things, but I can't say he's made much of an impact. I can't say that any of the things he's been in I thought were particularly good I was concerned that he wasn't going to have enough weight to carry off this character and I was really really pleasantly surprised I think he did really really well uh, and again the same with Jennifer Lawrence really I mean I'd never seen I have seen her as Mystique in now that you mention it but she'd not stuck out she'd not you know and she'd been pitted against some quite big names for the role of Katniss but I think she did remarkably well yeah. I think she did really really well I think they maybe haven't used Gale as much as they could do but actually, I'm not necessarily expecting that they would because mm. he isn't in the books. No, he's not. But it I comes think, later. Yeah, I think they did a good job, though, actually, of setting up Gail mm. in the way that when Katniss kisses Peter on the cheek for the first time, there's a flashback to Gail watching it in District 12. And like that might not seem like a lot to someone who hasn't read the books, but yeah. that is setting up the idea that Gail has an issue with Peter and Katniss, I think. Yeah. Um, I think as well you see like the anger that Gail has mm. and that'll set him up for later for in the third mm. book the stuff that he does I think they did really well at looking ahead mm. I think they did a lot of really I think they did I think for someone who knows what's coming I think you're right I think they set up Gail really well I also think they set up President Snow yeah. very well yes. yeah we were talking about this straight after we saw it um, and he said like he was so sinister and the way uh, just the last shot of the film is him in the game maker's room mm. And him looking around, like looking away, and obviously when he crowns 
Katniss, mm. the way he speaks to her, the way he talks the whole way through about Katniss and whether, you know, he says, did she really deserve an 11? Like, they, you can't sell the underdog. We don't want to support the underdog. I really got the feeling that they were building up him to be really sinister, a lot more sinister than I pictured him in the book, I think. Well, after the first book, I kind of didn't really know his character. When they were talking, when I was reading the second one, I kind of forgot that he existed mm. until they mentioned him then, but I don't think he worked from the film, which was good. I think I really liked the interaction and the little scenes in the Rose Garden with mm. him and Seneca Crane. Me too. Um, again, it was another bit where they brought Crane's character in a lot more, because he's not really mm. there. I mean, you, you get him, because obviously he's the one, obviously as we see at the end of the film, he's the one that's killed. And but I really like those added scenes that you know between President Snow yeah. and, and Seneca Crane. I think it was good. It sets up a lot of President Snow's character, um, you know, for the later, yeah. the later films. And I think as well, like the amount of influence he had, like every time Seneca wanted to kind of change something major within the game, it's like Seneca is the game maker. But Snow is controlling Seneca, and that's shown obviously at the end with the dish of nightlock berries. Mm. Seneca didn't do what Snow wanted him to do, and so it led to Seneca's death. Mm. And I felt that was a really strong point of view that you know Snow was behind everything. Whereas, like Alex said before, once you got to the second book, I kind of felt like Snow was introduced then as the overall controller of the whole of obviously the whole every over everything but i felt that in the film they introduced him into his role a lot better than the mm. book maybe i think they did very well at, at um, foreshadowing what's going to go mm. wrong like they have the beginning of the riots Dist- in yeah. district mm. 11 when rue dies yeah um and i think they've done a lot it's going to make the second film a lot easier to understand yeah. i think for people who haven't haven't read but i think it may be a slight continuity problem when uh, in the second film when they go to District 11 on the tour thing Mm -hmm. and everyone there in the book if I remember it they're kind of still regimented Mm -hmm. and under the capital and if they do that in the film it's going to look a bit odd considering Mm -hmm. they were rioting beforehand and I felt with the riots after Rue's death I thought that was very well I, I liked that scene I thought it showed how like the the discontent among, like in the districts was beginning to kind of up rise, but I was a bit upset that they didn't include the bread sent to Katniss from District Eleven, which I I felt was would have been a strong link between the riots, Katniss's actions, like when she obviously the burial with Rue when she covered her in flowers, and like the symbol. I felt like if they sent the bread as well, it could, it would have just tied it in a bit more to the viewers that they were supporting Katniss, not just rebelling against mm. the... I think that's one thing they maybe didn't do so well, is they, they didn't highlight why Katniss becomes the leader she does. Mm. They don't necessarily have Hamish explain what damage she's done at the, with the Nightlock Rose at the end. Mm. And... But in all fairness, I don't know necessarily that they explain it in the first book so much. I think it comes no. it comes at the beginning of the second, yeah. so maybe, we don't know, maybe it'll come at the beginning of the second film. But I don't think they do as much to set up Katniss as who she becomes. Yeah. I think as well with, like, the bread shows that Katniss sort of united, even though it wasn't her district, she sort of brought the districts together, mm. and there's that unity between them against the capital, and... Mm. I think the bread was a symbol of that in some ways. I was really quite disappointed that they didn't have that. And also because it showed 
like they didn't have a lot of gifts from the sponsors like it was they weren't featured that heavily in the film obviously you had the soup and the um burn lotion but uh, like quite a big part of Katniss's success was from those like from gathering sponsors and obviously they had the idea of the star-crossed lovers but I, I don't think that they really in the film showed why people liked that enough I thought it was a bit underplayed like in the book it's really that's the focal kind of point of why they're so popular because I don't think that came across as much in the film maybe um so we've obviously we've talked quite in depth we've talked about lots of things we we did like I think generally we all seem to have, have really enjoyed what they did with the book um so if we can move on to sort of the actual film as a film so things like how they shot things um what did we think of what they made of the capital, the people of the capital, and the shots of the capital as a place? I was really impressed by that. There was one scene, I can't remember when it is in the film, why it's there, but I remember it being like just a wide shot of the capital, and you can see just everyone walking past it, and just seemed like such a huge scale of it, which I thought was very impressive. I really liked the people that they had in the capital. Like, I just loved the way you could see like this fashionable group of people who think that everything's just a game. Mm. And the like, contrast between them and the districts was so clear in the film. Yeah. I loved him. There was a scene where there was like a, a dad and he gave his son the sword. And like he was like, obviously he pretended to stab his mum and his sister. And like to me that just reiterated how much of a game like mm. the Hunger Games really are for the capital, how it's just like a TV show. It's not they don't think about the fact that it's the lives of the people in the districts are so separate from them. And the shot of I think there was a shot of Hamish watching them were just yeah. Yeah, Oh, that was yeah. brilliant. I think what they did with Effie Trinket, um, Elizabeth Banks who played her, I think she was really good. Mm. I think they, they got her character uh, aesthetically they got it really really well done i think they missed more sinner was very good mm. um i like that they still gave him his gold eyeliner and they made him you know they did set him apart i think he did him really well i think the rest of the prep team were fairly expendable they you know they had them all they had them all named you know they had them there and if if you knew who you were looking for you saw them but i think they didn't really capitalize on that and whether mm. they will go back to them or not i don't really know you don't get Porsche at all mm. really yeah. I don't think you need them I, yeah but because they didn't really focus on Peter's like style or outfits at all anyway like even in the interviews and even to in the carriages to start with to some extent they don't really focus on what Peter's wearing especially in the film in the book it is discussed a bit more because obviously they discuss Porsche but I think the focus was on Katniss, so it worked just having Sinner really as the main, the main like designer. I like the little. I think it, more than anything, it was a nod to the fans. I I like um, Peter's suit in mm. the interviews, but I think it would be lost on anyone else, yeah. other than than those that you know like Peter for a start. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also know you know know what they are trying to do between the two of them. I think it was lost on on anyone else. Um, on the, the theme of Sinner, what did we think of Katniss's outfits and the, the fire, the use of the fire in the tribute parade? I thought it was a... I don't know, I think it was a bit too realistic, the fire in mm. a way. It kind of looked a bit too sci-fi, which I thought maybe didn't fit in with the rest of the film mm. in a way. Like, there are sci-fi elements, but I thought just that was a bit too unrealistic looking mm. because it was 
so realistic looking in a sense. Yeah. yeah. I found it uh, how it's a little bit underwhelming. Um, mm. But I think that pers- that's just probably a personal thing because it was a really different to how I envisaged them when I read the book. Like, the fire, I envisaged her whole body being yeah. on fire, <laughs> whereas really it was just a flame off from her back. And then, especially in the dress at the interview with when she's spinning, like the fire on that, I thought was really unrealistic, yeah. and that was very that was completely different to how I imagined it. So I guess that's just my personal. I think thing. the reveal of her dress, the interview dress, the red one, was a bit anticlimactic. It was a really big thing, mm-hmm. you know. You don't, and you you get to see her with Sinner in the in the dressing room, whereas I think she should have come on stage, and that should have been the big thing. I don't think they, you know, they lived up to the hype so much on that from the book on that dress but I think that again I think that's the thing I don't think they should have included the fire on that dress because I think it's more important Mm. they have the fire on Mm. the later dress yeah Mm. one's in the next book yeah I think I think it was that was more for for that they were trying to very make it very obvious the girl on fire link I think weren't Mm. they it worked I mean I think the costume the idea to have the, the way they did it was quite quite good i thought it was quite inventive the um costume i mean all the costumes were great throughout the whole film but i mm-hmm. thought that's particularly it was it was a good idea it was just like i said personally it was just very different to what i imagined it being like so i was a bit shocked when she came out in that because mm-hmm. i thought the dress itself was quite underwhelming it was really only the flat the fire bit which was um yeah. made an impact obviously um i don't know whether you're aware but this film didn't actually spend very long in post-production um, they, fin- I can't remember exactly when, but they finished filming quite late on, um, for such a, a for a March release. Do you think the film showed marks of not having had long enough in post production? I don't think noticeably as much. I was not impressed at all by the uh, mutts at the end. Mm. I think I'm a bit biased because I hated them in the book. I thought it was the weakest part of the whole thing. But they look. I didn't think they looked very good at all, and they looked kind of silly. And yeah. out of place, and they weren't very lifelike at all. I thought that was really one of the only parts of the film where I mean, because there's obviously elements in the films that are um, things that we wouldn't see, like obviously in our lives, but those just looked like CGI to me, mm-hmm. and I felt kind of a bit, yeah, a bit disappointed by them. But overall, I'd say I thought it was really quite smooth and quite not flawless, like not seamless, but I, I didn't think it really was obvious. I wouldn't have, if you hadn't have said, I wouldn't have said mm. to you. I thought it didn't have very long there. I think the CGI, I think, is, shows the biggest mark of it. Mm. I think the sweeping shots you get of the capital, they're a bit too CGI. Mm. And I think the the best bit about what they created is the people. Mm. Um, I think they let them delve sa- themselves down a bit with the computer-generated stuff, like the mutts, I think. And the train. Um, yeah, and I think it's the best scenes on the train are the bits where you get the the capital people outside and obviously they're real people and mm-hmm. i think maybe that is why they spent longer in filming and less in post-production because trying to coordinate that many extras with that level of um of costume and makeup and, and mm-hmm. hair and things I, th- I did find at some parts that you it got quite blurry in some bits now i don't know whether that was deliberate or whether it wasn't that they didn't polish it enough but it got in some of the not just in the, the sort of the fastest action bits there are other parts where I'm going, is it me? Am I t- sat too close to the cinema screen? Or are we actually slight, slightly off focus? 
whether that was deliberate or I didn't. not. I, I didn't, didn't really notice it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so maybe it was just me. Yeah. I did notice though, like, because they did a lot of, like, shaky shots. Mm. That, yeah. that got me a bit. Like, I get why they did it, but. There was a lot of handheld filming, certainly in the reaping. And I think it was done deliberately to give it a sense of chaos and mm. devastation, but it was very handheld, shaky camera. It's not quite sure where to look. It's all getting a bit wobbly. But like you're watching Cloverfield or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it did have a bit of a Cloverfield feel to it at some points, which I don't personally like, but I can see why they did mm. it. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think it definitely was deliberate, wasn't it? I, I mean, think it's good for close-up shots, handheld cameras, I like, because mm. it kind of makes it seem less cinematic in a way and more real. But... Yeah, I think in some parts it worked. Like, it worked on the scene with Prim and Gail taking her away. That worked. Um, I think when they started doing it on some of the wider shots, mm. it lost something. But, you know, I think on a whole, it, it was it was quite good. Um, Going back to the makeup and that, you said you quite like, there was one bit of makeup that I thought was the most ridiculous part of the whole film, which was when Peter's in, amongst the mud and the rocks, and he's done his face so he blends in, and he just looked like one of the fish people from Pirates of the Caribbean. It, like, it, do, it didn't look good, and how he would have done that in yeah. the middle of the woods without any paint. I think just... it was slightly unbelievable. Yeah, like, I think yeah, he could I make think... himself look. Everyone in our cinema like... laughed when we yeah. saw that. But... That really wasn't how I saw it in my head from the books. Mm. No, I think it was believable when you had him in the training with section the with the paintbrush, <laughs> and I think you, yeah, you could get that he was that good at it. Yeah, I don't think they should have taken it to the level in the games. Yeah. I think they should have had him more hidden. You know, still, you know invisible to Katniss I, I still mm. get I still it's still believable that he was so good at it that even Katniss you know very seasoned at being in, in the in the forest and in the woods and things couldn't see him but yeah they made him he was very reminiscent mm. of Paris of the Caribbean yeah. it was a bit scary uh, and I'm glad they didn't dwell on it too much kind of wish though that they'd used it's one of my favorite lines frosting the last defense uh, in the what is it Oh my word, I've forgotten the line altogether now. This is a Peter line. Yeah, it is a Peter line, which is why if you guys don't know it, I will come back to it in a second. Um, I expect it's not very good. But it it was very good. (laughs) It's only not very good to you because you don't like Peter. But uh, on that that note, um, as we're sort of trying to wrap things up, because we've talked a lot about a lot of different things, we'll ask our listeners for the same thing towards the end. But favourite character in the film... And is it different from your favourite character in the books? Um, my favourite character, I think, is the same in both. Because Haymitch was my favourite character in the book. And I thought, although he was completely underused in the film, he was brilliant. in the bits he were in, was in were... Wait, in the bits he was in, yeah. Were really, really outstanding acting. Like, I just thought he was exactly how I imagined him. And yeah, definitely my favourite character. I was going to say, Haymitch was my favourite in the books, but I wasn't so sure in the film like i think he was just not used enough at all in the film like he wasn't developed enough and i loved him so much in the books and hamish was my favorite in the books as well i thought he was good in the film but kato was my overall favorite in the film just because i thought it was such a pleasant surprise at how well developed he seemed i think i'm going to be horribly predictable peter was my favorite in stop rolling your eyes over there And the line was frosting the final defence of the dying, um, but they didn't use it in the film. But anyway, I, I'll let them go with that one. Mm-hmm. 
I think part of it is just because I was really pleasantly surprised how well um, Josh Hutchinson did at the role. And you're still shaking your head at me over there, Charlotte. <laughs> I mean, it's difficult. I would quite happily say how good just about any of the characters were. Um, I think some of them weren't used very much, but I think that's because they're going to get used more later. Um, I think they were all outstanding. Um, I think the casting was really good. However big the parts were, I think they were all very good. We yeah, that's we didn't really talk. We haven't talked at all about Hamish really. There's not a whole lot to say because he wasn't really. There were some nice shots of him, but mm. I felt. Mm, but I felt that he. I liked a lot of the well, the two things I think they really added in with Hamish were when he when Katniss was um, obviously when she burnt her leg and there was a shot the shot of him and he was trying to get the sponsors. I liked that you saw him going out and talking to the people of the capital like persuading them and I liked as well when he was talking to Seneca about having letting both Peter and Katniss like promoting the idea of the star-crossed lovers like I know those weren't really they were kind of added in but I really liked like that idea I liked how much he seemed to support them but at the same point I felt in the film they just the relationship between Katniss and Hamish was just non-existent really he went from being aggressive to her at the beginning and to like at the end of it just referring to her sweetheart and supporting her and you didn't really get a sense as to why he changed or anything like that so i felt that was weak their relationship was weak in it i felt the first scene he was doing on the train when he was drunk was really really good and exactly kind of how i imagined him being but then after that he kind of didn't seem mm-hmm. to be drunk but like the rest of the film he seemed to just completely change which I think you, you're right, Charlotte. I think they, they started doing... They looked like they were going to do the relationship between him and Katniss, and then they dropped that. I like the scenes that they added in about him and giving him that bigger role and actually showing that he does have... Although he is a drunk, he actually is very intelligent. He knows a lot about how the capital works, and I hope that they they use that a lot in the next ones because that's obviously what the books do. But I think because you had him featured in the film in that way, you lost the personal relationship with both him and with mm. with Peter. Um, and him with Katniss, I think you lost it there. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they'll they'll come back to that because obviously that does come up a lot more as they become a important. unit. Yeah. In the second, at least in the start of the second one, it's the three of them living yeah. in the in the Victor's village. Yeah. You do see them much more as a unit at the beginning of the second. So yeah. hopefully it will come in more then. But whether it will be so believable because we haven't had yeah. the because I just the feel like their relationship is so volatile. Like they go from being so friendly with each other and really supporting each other to having moments where they just seem, can't seem to stand each other and I just I think that's such an important part of it and in the book like that is like brought up and it is explained a lot more than in the film so I, I do agree with you Sarah I think like it might be in the second book in the second film even that they do lose a bit of it because they haven't explored it further in the first film so so wrapping things up um, have we got any Parting comments, anything we would say to people who maybe haven't read the books and whether we think the film stands up to someone who has and someone who hasn't? I think it's hard to say because yeah. obviously we've all watched the film having read the books, so I, like, we can speculate that maybe they'll lose things out of it. But they won't know they're know. losing them, though. That's the yeah. thing. I feel, like, I feel like if you haven't read the book, you just take it for what it was and enjoy it. It would still be a good film. But I feel like we 
maybe think that they'd be missing out on a lot more than they think they would be because we've read the book. I think maybe it wouldn't encourage someone to read them unless they really liked it. But I don't think, like you just said, it kind of doesn't imply that you're missing out on anything else. Whereas I think perhaps with a film like Harry Potter, because they mention things so briefly that maybe you get that there's more text in there that you're missing out on than in this. I think that's the thing. I mean, I think, I mean, obviously they benefited from that in comparison to Harry Potter, they had a lot less material to work with. Mm. And I think that worked in their favour. But I think you're right. I think they got so much in quite well that, yeah, maybe you wouldn't need to go. But for any listeners who haven't read the books but have seen the film, um, we will be doing a second podcast with, I'll be doing one with our regular contributors, um, some of which haven't seen the, um, have will have seen the film but haven't read the books. So hopefully they'll be able to give us some insight. And if you are a listener who has been to see the film but hasn't read the books, um, please get in touch, let us know what you think. Do you think we're wrong? Is Do you not lack anything when you go and see it, having not read the books? And are we holding that view just because we have read the books and we're all big fans um, of the, the trilogy by Susan Collins. Um, I would personally recommend you go and read the books anyway. Yeah. But uh, that's because, again, because I, I love them. But please get in touch. Please share your thoughts. Is your favourite character the same from the film um, in comparison to the books? Or like some of us here, did they, unlike me, but some of the others, did they change? Have you got different characters that you liked in the films? Um, is there anything that we've said that you disagreed with? Do you not think the casting was was very good um, and the use of the capital and the way they filmed that and the way they did that? Do you, is there things that you think they could have done better? Like I said, we will be revisiting um, The Hunger Games, so please get in touch and we'll try and discuss um, some of the things you get in touch with us with when we revisit it. But um, in the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you to Alex, Charlotte and Susie for coming to speak to all our listeners about the Hunger Games today. I hope you have enjoyed your first uh, outing into the podcasting world. Um, first. Sounds promising. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? We might have you back. Uh, we are going to be um, next month, hopefully, looking at Harry Potter. Ooh. So, uh, <laughs> being that's how I met you all, who knows? We may see you back uh, with us on Impossible Podcasts. Um, but in the meantime... Listeners, thank you for listening to us all. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Yeah.
You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>